0: I guess evidently I can, I just did it. So Happy New Year to you. Hope 2019 has treated you well so far. I saw something on Facebook the other day, cracked me up, it was like 3 a.m. on the first of January, they're like 2020 is my year. (laughs) They're like, I've already messed it up. (laughs) That was from Sam's kid, no it wasn't. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. So good to see you guys here. As Darcy said, uh, yeah, we're have planted. we about to plant soon enough this new campus in Papakura, which is so exciting. This morning, we had our first gathering in the building. Uh, We don't officially start for another six or seven weeks, but we had 116 people in the room today. It was amazing. God is doing great things, bringing people together. So if you've got any spare moments in your prayer life, please include us. We need it, all right, because it is hot out there. We're meeting great new people when we're on an exciting journey. But it is cool to be here. This place will always feel like home to me. Botany will always feel at home, Papakura will be uh, my new home, I guess, but this place is where I got saved, this is places where I've been given opportunities to grow and step up, and amen for growth. I love the fact that we can grow and develop. I love the fact that on a day like today, Adrian Daniel preached the morning service, and I get to preach the night service, and we're friends from way back in school, and no one would have given us a chance, especially not me. And so, <laughs> I love it. I heard that Adrian preached a great word this morning. Mind you, I did hear that from Adrian. <laughs> I'm joking, no, he's, he's amazing and I heard Abby did a great job singing this morning. So cool, hey? Pastor Stephen Becks, our lead pastors here, are away just for a little while on a much-deserved break, so it's our honor to be able to hang out with you guys and share some good stuff today. So today, uh, the title of my message, and it should be, I don't know if you, know, you, you didn't get notes because I didn't submit it on time, how good, um, but it's called, <laughs> the, the name of the message is called The Gospel Plus GST. All right, the gospel plus GST. If you don't know, GST is the tax you pay on an item, goods and services tax. Hello, I'm good to you. So goods and services tax, when you buy an item, maybe you buy a T-shirt for $40, you end up paying $46 because you pay 15% on GST, right? It's the extra little bit that's tacked on the end, and that's the name of our message today. Now, I have very fond memories of the old school classroom and lunchtime games that I used to play back in school. Oh, they were good. From winding up for my sweetest skim in a game of handball or a black magic if I was feeling confident, to lining up to run it straight in a game of bull rush that immediately turned to a game of touch rugby when a teacher walked around the corner, to the classic, classic linguistic conundrum that is hangman. To think that that poor gentleman had his life hanging in the arms of primary school students and their spelling is quite a tragedy. But there's one classroom challenge game, if you will, to rule them all. One that really tested the character and the seemingly innocent souls of poor little children, and that was Chinese whispers. (laughs) Now there's two types of Chinese whisperers in this world. Three if you include the Asian girl named Lily from Pitch Perfect but two main types of Chinese whisperers in this world. The first one is those of which feel partly responsible for delivering a consistent and trustworthy message along the line. And then there's those who feel solely responsible for twisting the facts all in the name of a good laugh. What starts at one end of the line is monkeys like to eat bananas, mysteriously somehow by the end of the line ends up as Zach Harris is looking for a wife. and everyone laughs and everyone looks around suspiciously and only one person knows who the true hero is. And the one that sent out the original message is hearing this twisted version shouting out fake news. This is not what I said, it's not what I intended. You know, one of the most contended subjects on the planet is the validity and in the interpretation of Scripture. The Holy Bible, a compilation of God's finest and mankind's worst moments all put together. It's a compilation and a collection of genres, perspectives, narratives, and a few poems chucked in to keep the creatives happy. What exactly is the Bible trying to say? And why is it so important? I think it's important because it's declaring itself to be the Word of God, a representation of His heart for us and an instruction on the way in which He intends us to live. It's not just what human authors are transcribing, but what God Himself is actually trying to say to His people. This is big. This is really big, and so it's no surprise that it's been a point of contention for a few thousand years. It's important because if you actually trust it to be the Word of God, it ultimately directs our lives and has an unrivaled influence on our worldview. It shapes how we see God, and so therefore it shapes how we see ourselves. And one of the most clear-cut undisputed claims that the Bible makes about itself is that it's good news, right? It's good news. It's not acceptable news. It's not tolerable news. It's not pleasant or favorable news. It's not like it's I right news, like it's pretty sweet, but it's good news. And at the very heart of what makes it good is that it's not dependent on the receiver, but it's dependent on the sender. The author of the news is foundational in the legitimacy of that news being good. See, in our household, um, I manage the finances. It's not that Darcy can't, it's not that Darcy isn't allowed to access it, it's just not her thing, so it's not the lane she runs in, I take care of that on behalf of the two of us, right? So, it's no surprise that Darcy gets really excited about mail in the mailbox, and I get really scared. (laughs) Darcy expects gifts to come from America, she honestly, she makes us check the letterbox like almost every single day, and I'm like, I know what it's gonna be, it's gonna be more bills. The reason that that makes sense is because actually when we realize who's sending the message, we're able to tell if it's gonna be good news or bad news. Darcy's expecting it to come from family, so therefore it would only be good news, and I'm expecting it to come from the tax man, and that's never good news. The gospel is declared to be good news because it's godly news. And good news can only be good news if it benefits you or the ones that you love, right? So like free donuts at Dunkin' Donuts, Rotorua. It's not good news for me. In fact, it's teasing and it doesn't help, right? (laughs) But I'll see you in six hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's not good news. We have to believe that it actually benefits us. But the message of the gospel, oh, someone just tagged me, how good. The message of the gospel (laughs) is that Jesus, (laughs) shot, Axton, you're the man. Guys, we've got a lot to get through. Let's not get distracted. (laughs) The message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for us on a cross because there was a debt that was owed and the fee outstanding was death. He paid it all in full. Nothing left outstanding, nothing left owing, no four easy payments, but he paid it all in one go, all of it. And Jesus was sinless, which means he personally owed nothing but out of love and grace and out of a place to know us intimately, he paid what we couldn't so that we could have what we couldn't attain ourselves. And so if you've sinned, this is really, really good news. If you haven't, don't mind me. This news won't help you at all. And so this means absolutely everything or it means nothing at all. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. You know, there's a problem that we face today and there's a problem that the church has faced since the very start. No, it's not overpacked car parks, although that is a problem. No, it's not when people sit in your seat, get over it, you'll be all right. It's not clip art and Comic Sans font and sermon slides, although that is a serious devil inviter, that one. It's not that some people run around and worship with flags, although that needs to be addressed immediately, like, praise God, it's not here. But it's simply that we struggle to accept the gospel for what it really is. Like a game of Chinese whispers gone wrong, it's not that the legitimacy of Scripture is is foiled, it's not that the legitimacy of Scripture is tainted, it's that our actual understanding of grace is incomplete. We just can't bring ourselves to believe that there's no catch, that there's no fine print that we haven't quite seen, that there's no phrase that's gonna like capture us and hold us into something horrible, that's gonna end up taking all of our money and all of our time and taking away all our dreams. We just can't quite believe that it's as good as it says it is. You know, there's a beauty in the original, but sometimes we find ourselves drifting away from what the original tried to say. And I want us to Jump into a bit of text today. It's from the book of Galatians and we'll get to it in just a moment. But I wanna give you a little bit of context as to what was happening before we have a look at the scripture. So Paul is writing a letter to the churches in Galatia because what had happened is a bunch of churches had popped up around the place. Now these churches were filled with Christians. Hey, how good. And these Christians, some of them were Jewish people. Right? So these Jewish people knew Old Testament laws. They knew the different traditions. They knew all of that stuff. And some of the Christians in these churches were non-Jewish people. So they didn't have a good understanding of the Torah, of the scriptures, of the Old Testament traditions and all that sort of jazz. And so what you have is you have the Jewish Christians mixing Old Testament law and traditions with New Testament grace. And so they're saying to their brothers and sisters in the church pew, hey, did you know Like, God's grace is amazing but you also have to observe the Old Old Testament traditions and laws in order to be truly saved, things like circumcision. (laughs) No. (laughs) So they're trying to enforce these Old Testament traditions. On people, and, and what happened was even Peter, who came to preach the gospel message to the Gentiles, he even gets sucked into this crazy teaching. So he's come to share the message. He's hanging out with the non-Jewish Christians. Everything's all good. It's by grace you were saved. And so what happens is the Pharisees, the religious leaders, come along and they start enforcing this crazy teaching as well. Completely not true that we need to observe the Old Testament laws and also be saved by grace. And so Peter starts caving. In one scene, he's hanging out with these people, having meals and teaching them the gospel. The Pharisees come along and say, no, you must observe these things. And so he says, okay, just whatever you say. And he backs out. Paul comes along. He's like, Peter, how could you? Shame on you and your family. So he comes to correct Peter, and he comes to correct the churches. He's like, this mixture of theology, this Thing that says God's grace can save you and then this part that says you have to obey all these laws mixed together, it doesn't work. And so Paul wants to clarify because people's salvation is on the line, all right? So that's where we're at. And and then Galatians chapter one, verse six to 10, I think it's gonna come up on the screen. Oh, how good, there it is, okay. So this is, what he, this is what Paul is saying to the churches. He says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. Imposter news. Fake news. Paul is calling out fake news before Trump did. He's like, you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but I gotta let you know that it's not the good news at all. He carries on, he says, you are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, you know it's real when you can include yourself in the curse, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news. I read this and I was like, what? A different kind of good news? Are you meaning to tell me there's other kinds of good news? Are you meaning to tell me like there could be news that is good? Like it is good news and it may appear quite similar, but in fact is actually quite different. He says, don't be fooled by a different kind of good news, the one that we preach to you. He says, I say it again, what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. He's like, do you remember the message you originally heard? Do you remember the good news that opened your heart to the love of God? Do you remember the good news that allowed you to get breakthrough in your life? Do you remember the good news that was all about what Jesus had already done? He's like, don't listen to anything else. Or he's like, don't, don't allow that other stuff to attach itself to what you believe. The only way to go forward and the only way to experience the fullness of what God has for you is to believe that original message that I preached to you. And here's the funny thing, because I, I see like Paul can anticipate what's coming. They're like, oh, we get it, Paul. We get it, your message is the best one, right? So he goes on to say, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And so he wants to clarify. There's a lot of things we can take on. There's a lot of things we can believe in. As we enter 2019, it's so important that we know what we believe and why we believe it. It's so important that we have the right foundation and in a generation where there is so much fake news going on that we believe the right things about what Christ came to do for us. See, they were believing a message of justification, which just means to be declared righteous before God as a result of works. So you had to work your way to earn God's favor, work your way to earn his forgiveness and his love, Um, and this teaching had snuck its way in from the way that the Pharisees were teaching. They had interwoven these perversions of true doctrine in with some of the truths of Christ. It's like the lies and distortions were riding on the coattails of the truth. Have you ever noticed that the worst lies are the ones that seem mainly true? And the problem that these churches were facing in and I guess why I'm here is I wanna help clarify something today so that we could actually live in the true freedom that Christ died that we would have and not add all these extra things that might weigh us down. I hope that my heart echoes Paul as he wrote this letter to the churches to clarify. I hope that my heart would echo that because I wanna clear things up so that we, would, we wouldn't allow the things that shackle us down and cause bondage to remain in our lives. See, we might read that scripture and we say, how could they? How could they attach things to the gospel? How could they believe a different type of good news? And yet we do that all the time. But we have to fight to maintain a healthy perspective of what it is that Christ did. See, we add rules, regulations, expectations, and unhealthy requirements all the time that rob us away from God's best in our lives. Let me give you an example. The fact that for so many of us in this room right now, you feel a little bit guilty because you didn't read as much of the Bible as you should have this week. Don't show of hands, it'll be all over here. Myself included. You feel guilty, because I should have read more. Maybe you leave here after a Sunday of serving and you feel good. You feel like God's more on your side as a result of what you contributed. Like you've somehow earned something from him. The fact that you hold back and disqualify yourself from leadership because you've convinced yourself that God only uses perfect people. Meanwhile, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Now, there's this guy named Matthew Henry, good guy, and I don't know him personally, because he, he's real old, and um, I don't even know if he's alive anymore, but he is the man, he's a good geezer, and he wrote a Bible commentary, right? So if, if you're just new to church and new to the whole God and Bible thing, look at a Bible commentary, it's super helpful. This is a bit complicated, don't start with that one, but... It basically just unpacks the scripture, brings more context, helps you to understand it, right? And this was his take on Paul's anguish towards the churches in Galatia. He explained it like this. He said, their sin and folly, basically their error, were that they did not hold fast the true doctrine of Christianity as it had been preached to them, but suffered themselves to be removed from the purity and simplicity of it. That's it. They suffered themselves to be removed from the purity and the simplicity of the gospel message. The gospel message is the greatest news that you'll ever hear, and it's a message that we need to hear more of every single day. It's a message where the victory has already been won, and despite who you are, despite what you've done and where you've come from, it's a message for you today. It's a message of freedom and life to the full. But if you read those words, and you find that you're not living that life, I wanna suggest that maybe a lie has snuck itself in somehow. God's grace for you is a gift. And I've titled this message, The Gospel Plus GST, because that's the trap we sometimes fall into. We take the beauty of what God did and we take the brilliance of the access that he gave us and we add 15% onto it. We add all these extra things to make it more expensive. We make it cost more when the full price was actually already paid. So let's clear a few things up so that you can walk out of here more in love with the God that made you, more fired up to be used by him to make a difference and more free from the guilt and shame that he came to set you free from, all right? Is that cool? So just so you know, here are a few things that are not part of the gospel message. You can take notes if you're that way inclined. Number one, this is not part of the gospel message, it's reasonable understanding. Galatians chapter one, verse 11 to 12 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to know about understanding the gospel is that you will never fully understand the gospel. Now, this is not a cop-out statement. This is not one of those things that we hide behind. It's like, oh, I guess God just works in mysterious ways. Sure, He does, but there are answers out there. Seek out the answers. Get around wise people. Ask the answers, ask God for wisdom, but understand that the majesty and the magnitude of our God will never fully compute in your mind. First Corinthians two verse nine says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can even imagine what the Lord has planned for those who love him. Like, You can't even fathom in your mind what God is capable of. And again, this is not a cop-out. This is not something that we as Christians hide behind when we can't explain things. There are answers, but for, for you to think that you could get an answer to everything is just foolish. Like there's no way God is small enough to be fully comprehended in our own mind. See, what God did for us is so gracious, so generous, and so outrageously selfish that it doesn't pass through our psyche as reasonable. And so Paul said that it wasn't based on human reasoning because that would make it reasonable. Meaning we could fully fathom the extent as to how and why something happened. You know, I've had so many young people over the last years in youth ministry, too many years, and they'll come in, I've, I've had this question so many times, I'll be like, Frosty, how do I convince my friend or my family member that God is real? Now, although I believe there's amazing, brilliant intellectual, resource out there my answer is always the same you can't i wish you could i wish it was that easy i wish it was as easy as human intellect but you can't you can't mentally convince someone that jesus christ is lord and that he gave everything for them my mom wouldn't even give me a dollar like straight up one time i asked plate on the wall next to my head like she wouldn't even give me a dollar So how was I meant to believe that the God of heaven would leave his majestic throne in heaven, give up the majesty, give up the glory, and come and be crucified on my behalf that I might have life? There's just no way I could fathom this sort of generosity. And so while I'm all for the intellect, I'm all for the answers, I'm all for searching it out, I'm all for wisdom, the truth is each of us need a touch of God. Each of of us need a touch of heaven. It's something we can't deny. And when God touches your heart, when God transforms your life, when God does something in your world that you cannot deny, there is no amount of intellect that can pull you away. We all need a touch of God as often as we possibly can. You know, I see so many high school students, they go off to university, which is great, and when they get there, they get challenged. Some smart aleck will step up and be like, God can't exist because there's so much evil in the world. Original one, Barry, like good work. (laughs) And so someone like, because they haven't had a touch of God, because maybe it's only ever been understanding which is limited. They don't have that experience of God that they cannot shake, that they cannot deny. They hear a challenge like that and then they go back and they toss and they turn and they can't reconcile the two and so they end up walking away from a God who only ever wanted relationship. Matthew 16 verse 13 to 17, this is another example. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? which is the name that he gave himself. So he's basically saying, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah was one of, the other, one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being." Simply put, the gospel message, the hand of God, His love, His grace for you is supernatural and we have to learn to be okay with that. We have to find peace in that. We have to ask God for a personal revelation of what it means to you and then allow Him to transform you because God's after your heart. It's unreasonable because we don't deserve it. Yet He entered our brokenness and our messiness because He no longer wanted slaves but sons and daughters. As a Christian, do not throw out your intellect but don't underestimate God's ability to supersede it. So often I have non-Christians challenge me and you know, like if they can't fathom it, I guess he's not real. What sort of a God would we be serving if we could understand every part? Again, seek out the answers, go after truth, God will reveal it to you. But don't get caught up on the things that you don't know. I live by this saying, and I know I've heard other people talk about it too, but I can't even remember the saying. Wait, I do. Something along the lines, I'm just adding this, this is not in my notes, but it just, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about God, but I'm compelled, to, I'm compelled to trust him in the things I don't know because of what I do. I don't have to know all the answers. That doesn't add any fragility to the gospel message it just means, guess what, I'm human and I don't know it all. But I know that He died for me, I know that He rose for me, I know that He has life for me, and that's all I need to know. I don't know, I don't need to know every detail, I don't need to know that there's every piece to the puzzle, I just know that He's got me right now and He can be trusted, amen? Number two, um, this is not part of the, the um, gospel, is a burdensome standard. A burdensome standard, a standard that creates burden on your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. This is Jesus speaking. It says then Jesus said, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and sorry, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. So for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light." Now, Paul has just finished having a rant to Peter, who was caving into the pressure of the Pharisees to start teaching this incorrect stuff. And this is what Paul says to Peter in Galatians chapter 2, from verse 17. He says, But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we're found guilty because we've abandoned the law, would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law, I stopped my... I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there would be no need for Christ to die. And so Paul is appealing with them. He's like, hey, 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 either Christ is all we need or well, that's not the case. Either Jesus is the only way to be made right with God, or He's not. You see, what happens is we come into church and we think, Christ is enough for me. And we believe that Christ is enough. His grace is sufficient. And then we go, that's not bad. And we go out. <laughs> I lied to you on the stage. That was bad. And we go out and we come back the following week and we have all this guilt and we have all the shame. Well, I didn't read my Bible enough. There was a moment when I was jealous and I know I shouldn't be jealous. There was a moment when I fell short and I made a decision that I regret and I guess evidently Christ wasn't enough for you. We attach all this shame and this guilt onto our lives that we constantly have to keep the standard but that's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died that we would be forever grateful for what he gave us and we would mess up, we would stumble but although we stumble, we will not fall for he holds us up with his right hand. We will stumble. like That will definitely happen but we get back up and we keep on going. Have you ever been included in a victory that wasn't yours? I was listening to my FM the other day, as you do. It's my station. It's the only one I get in my car, so don't judge me. It's, it's New Zealand's thought hip hop and R&B. All <laughs> okay. Shout outs. I was listening and they were having a conversation on the radio. It's good to like have a good listen, eh? Like have a good yarn, I love them, they're mean. And um, on, on the radio station, they were talking about when there's a song and there's another artist that comes along and sings like a verse or they sing a chorus, so they're like a featuring artist, right? So it might be like Hillsong featuring Dan Owen, right? Because he did a bit, right? Something like that. So the discussion was, how much of Dan Owen featuring Hillsong more like it? The discussion was how much of the song does someone have to be on before they can justify being a featuring artist? Because the song in question had this featuring artist on for 14 seconds, right? They were on 14 seconds of the track and they were listed as a featuring artist. And so the discussion was about that. And and. Excuse me if this feels like a little bit of a jump, but as I was listening to that, I immediately thought of this. I thought, this is the beauty of our God. He did all of the work. He is worthy of the recognition. He deserves the accolades. He should be made famous. And even though we didn't really do anything, He includes us as a featuring because you always include the boys for the shout outs. We've been granted access to the inheritance of Christ, the reward of our salvation, the blessing of living in the kingdom of God. But what happens is we've partaken in the victory, but we take the trophy home and we keep working on the track trying to make it better, trying to like earn the accolades. But the truth is the victory has already been won. The sacrifice has already been made. The blessing is already ours. You didn't need to do anything. God is just so excited about his partnership with you that he wants to include you in on the victory. So give God back his savior hat and understand that your job is not to measure up. Your job is simply to know him as best you can. The message of what Christ did for you on the cross brings hope, it brings freedom, it brings joy, it brings peace. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the evidence of God working in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is not condemnation. It's not guilt. It's not shame. And so if you're a Christian constantly wading the waters of guilt and shame, then maybe, just maybe, you've let a few lies in and you're living your life according to a good news that is not the truth about Christ at all. And so this is what we do, 2 Corinthians ten five. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The gospel message is about grace, and it's about abundant life. There is no burdensome standard that we have to live up to, but a life of freedom that comes by the grace of God. The third and final thing is this. This is not part of the gospel, passive involvement, and band, you guys can join me, that'd be awesome. Final thing, passive involvement. It's not part of the gospel message. Yes, we are saved by grace alone, that's amazing. Yes, there is nothing we need to do in order to earn love, yet he died for so much more than for us to be passively involved. Our response to God is not one of obligation, but one of privilege. And so the only appropriate response for us, the only appropriate response we can muster is one of gratitude. God, thank you for believing in me when nobody else would. God, thank you for forgiving me when my sin deserved death. God, thank you for calling me even though there's been so many times when I've turned my back on you. You know, when someone brings you freedom, the natural and fitting response is to live in adoration and appreciation of that person. True freedom will never result in you being inactive. The gospel message is meant to free you in order to mobilize you. You are not meant to sit still. This is not about passively being involved. God didn't set you free so that you could just sit and be stagnant, but He has a plan and a purpose for your life. There's a call on your life and there's an assignment for you. It's the one where He wants to partner with you, but you have to understand that we will never pay Him back and we're not trying to. We're just trying to honour God with the life that He's given us, to surrender all that we have and allow Him to work in the parts that we've surrendered and not get upset when He's not working in the parts that we're still holding on to. He wants to do a work in your life. He wants to bring breakthrough to your world, but He wants to partner with us in it. You know, if someone gets released from prison, they don't go home and sit on the couch. They make the most of the freedom that they've been granted they get out and they make the most of it. Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Verse goes on to say, now make sure you stay free and don't come back under bondage of the law. True freedom should evoke a response to make the most of it. We live generously towards those that grant us freedom. That's why we have discounts for return servicemen. That's why we do things like that to honour those that have given so much that we could live in freedom. It's not that we're obligated to, it's not that we have to, but it brings a real joy to be able to honour, to be able to give back, to be able to be generous towards those that have brought freedom to our life. And so our only appropriate response is gratitude. That's why we're elaborate in our praise. Maybe it's your first time here today and you're like, those Christians, they're going for it up the front. It's worth celebrating, it's exciting hands in the air, voices too loud, it's embarrassing. The whole deal, we go for it because we believe that Jesus died and He rose again that we may have life. We are generous with our finance. We are forthcoming with our service. We are active in our invitation. We don't do any of this so that. We do it all because of, right? We don't do it so that God would love us, so that God would forgive us. He already has. It's already been done. But we do it because of the fact that He's already done enough. Don't believe the lie that heaven is all that God has for you. He has a life that He wants you to live to the full right now in this place, not so that you can earn favour with God, but out of appreciation for what He's already done. Our only response to His grace is gratitude and generosity. Don't let people add to the story. It's already complete. When Jesus hung there on the cross, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story, but Jesus hung on the cross, and the very last three words that He said was it is finished. i tell you what wasn't happening. The disciples weren't over in a corner scoffing, thinking, "Haha, ha, Jesus is at the end of the Chinese whispers line. And I know you're guessing Judas Iscariot was behind the whole thing. Like he twisted it. And like when Jesus got up there on the cross, he was meant to say, you have to earn this. He was meant to say, I'm not yet finished, but Judas made him say, it is finished. Like that's so funny. That didn't happen. In fact, what Jesus said was exactly what he needed to say. And these are some of the most liberating, life-giving words that you'll ever read. As Jesus, the Son of God, hung on the cross, and He says, it is finished. That's exactly what He meant. It was a representation of the Father, and that was all that needed to be said. Everything that you needed for freedom was done in that moment. Everything that you needed to be granted access into a relationship with God was achieved on your behalf in that very moment. Our response is to be filled with adoration, and generosity. Our desire is to lean in for more, our yearning is to know Him closer. We're about to finish up, but as we head into 2019, it's important that we're standing on the right foundation. It's important that we believe the truth about what Christ did for us. Otherwise, we'll be living according to a good news that's not actually the truth about Christ at all. The gospel message is beautifully simplistic and it only gets tainted when we try to add to it. The gospel message does not include reasonable understanding, it doesn't include a burdensome standard, and it's not just for passive involvement, but it's truly to give you life and life to the full. You need to walk out of here today different, believing that God's for you, not against you, that you don't have to measure up because He already did it for you. I wanna invite everyone just to close their eyes, I wanna pray for two groups of people just now. I'm not claiming To be a master, I'm not claiming to be a seasoned veteran, but in my time in ministry, one of the most common things that I hear, the common struggles is people feeling like they don't measure up to God. And can I say this in the nicest way possible? You don't, but it's actually okay because it's in that weakness that God's strength is made perfect. He's not expecting you to measure up. That's why He sent Jesus to do it on your behalf. And so the first group of people I wanna pray for are those that read the words in Scripture. Maybe they hear them in a sermon or in a podcast. You hear that there's freedom. You hear that there's grace, but you find that that's not the walk that you're walking. You find that that's not the freedom that you're experiencing. I wanna pray for you in just a moment. In just a second, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand if that's you. You're just saying, yeah, like I'm a Christian. I've given my life to God. I've heard of the promises, but I'm still carrying around these random expectations and standards that I'm trying to reach. And God wants to break that off your life tonight. With every eye closed, if that's you, I just want you to pop up your hand just so I can see it and you can put it right back down. Awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah, there's hands everywhere. That's fine. This is just acknowledgement between you and God. You're saying, that's me. I want God to do a work in my life. Awesome. Yeah, there's more over here on my left trying to measure up, you feel like you're not good enough for God. Yeah, awesome, thank you. Is there anyone else in the middle? Great. Just a couple more moments, I'm gonna pray for you. God, I thank you that there is a scripture in your word, in your living word that simply states that your grace is sufficient, that it is enough, that when you hung on the cross and you said, it is finished, all that needed to be done was done. And so God, I pray that your peace of heaven would fall upon every heart here today. God, those that lifted their hands, that are feeling a burden, I pray God that they would come to you, all who are weary and heavy burden, and that you would give them rest. I thank you, God, that the burden that you give is easy and the yoke is light. There there is a joy and there is an ease in living out our life and relationship with you. It doesn't mean life's always easy, but I thank you, God, that you partner with us in that. And so right now I break off the spirit of bondage. I pray, God, that true freedom would come to the hearts of these people that have lifted their hand, that have acknowledged you in this moment. And I pray, God, as they leave this place, they would experience the freedom of Christ like they've never experienced it in Jesus' name. With every eye still closed, I wanna pray one final prayer. Maybe you're here in this room Maybe you've been coming to church a while, or maybe you're here for the first time, but the truth is if you were to be honest, and if I asked you this question, is Jesus the center of your life? Your answer would be no. It doesn't matter that churches are the center of your life, but is Jesus the center of your life? because He came to give you the fullness of life. And in a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. Bible says that we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Basically means we've all messed up and that sin separates us from God. But He didn't want it to stay that way, so He sent His Son Jesus to die because the penalty for sin was death. So Jesus, don't worry, you don't need to do it because He did it for you. So all we do is we put our faith and our trust in what Jesus did on the cross, and the Bible says we are made brand new clean slate, fresh start. Our sin is removed from us as far as the East is from the West and we will never be the same again. I'm gonna pray a prayer. I don't care if you've prayed this a hundred times before or if this is the first time for you. If you're like, I want a relationship with Jesus, I want the freedom, I want the promises, I want the hope, I want the purpose, I want a relationship with God today. I want you to pray this in your heart. I'll pray it out loud, you pray it in your heart. But if this is you, you mean this, you wanna say, count me in, I encourage you to pray this with everything you've got. Say, dear God, I acknowledge in this moment that I've sinned. I've done things my own way, I've turned my back on You, but in this moment, God, I ask You to forgive me, and I thank You that You do. I turn from my way of life to Your way of life, life, and I place my hand in Your hand. God, I ask You to forgive me, come into my life, make me brand new today. Jesus name with every eye still closed and head still bowed if you prayed that prayer and you meant it I want you to do something nice and brave in just a moment I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand I'll acknowledge you you can put it straight back down I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to make you stand we're not going to come visit your house we just want to get alongside you send a letter and help you know what to do next if you prayed that prayer and you meant it I just want you to lift your hand up right now just so I can see it and you can pop it straight back down Is there anyone here? Awesome, in the middle there, thank you so much. And at the back there, thank you, sir. Is there anyone else? You prayed that prayer, you meant it, praise God. Is there anyone else? Awesome, on my right, thank you. You're amazing, God's got a plan for your life. Is there anyone else? God, I thank you for changed lives. I thank you for what you've done in the hearts of people today. I pray God you would get alongside these people, you would support them, you would help them understand they're part of a, a brand new family now and that they have a brand new start ahead of them. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we congratulate those people that put up their hand that responded to Jesus today? That's amazing. Can we please thank Adam for that incredible message? Hey, if you just made